This is episode 505 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Unprepared and Overwhelmed. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by Audible. Now, Audible Books allows you to listen to the best books when you are on the go. I love to listen to podcasts and audiobooks and learning while I stay busy doing other things, especially getting ready in the morning and driving. And right now, Audible is offering two free audiobook downloads when you join Audible for a trial period. And even if you choose not to stay with Audible after the trial period, you still get to keep the audiobooks. Now, for more information, click on the link in the show notes or go to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com forward slash Audible. All right, everyone, let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. Well, let me just say this. I'm still kind of fighting that sore throat and uh, just kind of feeling a little worn down. So it's uh, not as long, um, might not even be as long as yesterday, which uh, yesterday was probably, it's not the shortest episode that I ever did, but it's one of the shorter ones. But this one's coming to us from activeresponsetraining.net. I love what Greg does over at Active Response Training. He, you know, he does a, he's a police officer, he does training. So he looks at different events or articles and then he gives feedback and so I always think these are helpful just in our situational awareness. This one is specifically talking about schools. So if you're a parent who has a child that goes to school, I know there's going to be people that listen that homeschool. But if you have a child that goes to school, whether it's public or private, you know, having a conversation if they are at that level, at that age where you know they can understand. I, I think it's it's important to have those conversations to help them to understand that, you know what, this world is not a safe place. And even at school where you should feel safe and you should go, you know, you go to learn that you need to be able to make quick decisions for your safety. And so, of course, you know, this it could start out talking about school, but you can blow this up into all kinds of different areas, right, about being situationally aware and all those good things. So, again, coming to us from ActiveResponseTraining.net, I'm actually going to start to read a little bit, and it's going to bounce over to, well, Greg in his article just says, you know, hey, you can link to this article, and I'm going to go read just a little bit of that just to kind of give you an idea of, uh, of where, where it's at or how this thing progressed. But uh, let me go ahead and start reading here. On Friday, the Sun Sentinel newspaper published a damning criticism of the response to last February's Parkland school shooting. Take the time to read the article, Unprepared and Overwhelmed. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and, like I said, I'm going to link to it. And uh, it's the Sun Sentinel uh, you know, article. And actually, it's kind of like a multimedia experience, actually, because there are all kinds of different things in here, right? That, you know, some video, some audio, uh, and uh, just some graphics. So uh, let me go ahead and start off. I just want to show you how fast things devolve, right? And so starting at 2.19.54, right? So uh, 2 o'clock, uh, you know, 2.19 and 54 seconds p.m. Uh, security entrusted to unarmed coaches. A campus watchman has a chance to stop gunman Nicholas Cruz before any blood is shed, but he doesn't do it. 
And so it says here, as you keep scrolling, security monitor Andrew Medina, an unarmed baseball coach, is riding in a golf cart and unlocking gates 20 minutes before dismissal. He sees Cruz walk through one of those unguarded gates with a rifle bag. He recognizes Cruz as, quote-unquote, crazy boy, the former student that he and his colleagues had predicted most likely to shoot up the school. He radios another campus monitor coach, but he does not pursue Cruz and does not call a code red to lock down the school. Okay, so we go from 219. Well, hold on. There's a little bit more here. Medina shouldn't have been in that job. School investigators had recommended he be fired for sexually harassing students, but district administrators overruled them. Medina is the first of three school employees who failed to call for a school lockdown after learning a gunman is on campus. Okay, so the next point of contact is at 221.16. So we're looking at an uh, 1 minute and 21 seconds, okay? Second unarmed monitor spot gunman turns the other way. David Taylor, the campus monitor who was alerted by Medina, walks into the first floor hallway towards Cruz, who goes into the stairwell. At that point, Cruz has yet to pull his gun from the carry bag. Taylor turns around, later telling investigators he intended to use stairs at the opposite end of the hallway to intercept Cruz on the second floor. All right, so whatever, right? So he's going to go and intercept them on the other. That's just so stupid. Anyway, all right, so 221. So we're talking about, man, that is seconds there. 221, so 14, seven seven seconds there. Another code red is missed. The second chance to lock down the school is missed when freshman Chris McKenna enters the first floor stairwell and sees Cruz loading his gun. Cruz tells him, you'd better get out of here. Things are going to start getting messy. So there is video because there's video in this hallway. There's a camera in this hallway where it shows um, the gunman going in there, right? So Nicholas Cruz goes in there. He pulls. He's pulling out his rifle at this point and he's you know he's getting ready to uh to go i think if i'm not mistaken i looked at the video here um i'm not even i don't even think he had the magazine in it looks like he's pulling it but you see the freshman come in and he is um yeah like he's putting his he's putting the magazine in and he's charging it so i mean that first that other guy that that uh turned around could have easily easily stopped this guy right all right so um mckenna runs from the building and informs aaron feast a football coach and campus monitor that there is someone with a gun there is no evidence that feast who has a radio calls a code red so at uh, see so that was where that freshman uh had that interaction with him that's 221 23 at 221 38 uh, Cruz fires his first shots, killing freshmen uh, or three freshmen here. And then um, on the first floor, Taylor, the campus monitor, hears gunshots and races up the second floor. He ducks into a janitor's closet. Taylor has a radio but does not call a code red. All right, so there's just so many opportunities there. And it happened within three minutes. All of that stuff happened within three minutes. But there was plenty of times where that could have been stopped. Now they're using coaches, and um, you know they're they have radios and all that kind of stuff. 
I can tell you carrying a radio on a campus sucked. And, you know, I know sometimes I talk about being on the campus. I'm not on the campus any longer. And so, you know, I get emails from people, you know, negatively or, you know, like a negative email because I talk about this. But, uh, you know, being on the campus, I hated carrying the radio. But we did because we knew it was very important. But, uh, you know, so they have these radios. Who knows if they know how to use them? They're not very hard. Who knows that they were, you know, if they were tied into administration or not. Um, part of the the article, and, the, you know, the article, there's a lot more to it. You can go and, and there's, like I said, it's it's very interactive or they have all kinds of multimedia tied to it. But uh, you can... Uh, you know, you, you can go and check all this out. So who knows all the other things that that were there? But it does look like there are just some people that could have stopped this and and didn't, which is very very sad. All right. So continuing on here with the article from Active Response Training, um, and like I said, guys, there's a lot of other stuff there on that other one, uh, that other article that you can go to. All right. So. Um, active response training. So let me continue on here. Uh, When you read this, you will absolutely be sickened by the ineptitude displayed by both school staff and sheriff's deputies. The deputy's conduct was inexcusable and far worse than what was originally reported, but we can't put everything on them. School staff had five opportunities to call for a lockdown before any deputy was even contacted. Four staff, quote-unquote, security monitors with radios saw who they recognized as the crazy boy walking around school grounds with a rifle. One of those staff members saw the rifle-armed former student on two different occasions. None of these security monitors got on the radio to order a lockdown or to notify police. My advice is to train your child to act independently, get out of the building, seek cover, and call the police at the first hint of shots being fired inside the school. It's clear from this article that the cops and the school staff will not effectively protect the children. Your kids are on their own. Do not expect other police agencies or schools to provide significantly better responses. I've trained a lot of schools and cops on active killer topics over the years. I would estimate that 95% of the police departments and school staff members I've dealt with would not respond any better than the folks described in this article. A few schools and police agencies are on the right track. These examples are exceedingly rare. Two other comments for those of you who study such incidents. The gunshots triggered the fire alarm with predictably disastrous consequences. Read my articles about fire alarms during active shooting events. And so the two articles here are, Should I Pull the Fire Alarm During a Mass Shooting? And Active Killers Using Fire Alarms to Facilitate an Attack. Now look at the photos below. This is what it looks like when a fire alarm is triggered during a school active killer attack. Does the term shooting fish in a barrel come to mind? During an active killer event, fire alarms should be ignored unless there is significant evidence of a fire. Smoke alone shouldn't prompt an evacuation unless it is present in such quantity that breathing is endangered. This is also one of only a few active killer events where the shooter inside the building fired through windows outside at evacuating students. In this case, the hurricane-proof glass deflected the bullets. Schools in most parts of the country do not have hurricane glass. So as school staff, what are you doing to ensure evacuating students won't be shot from inside the building? And as cops, what are you doing to make sure you aren't shot on your approach to the scene? 
This was one of the worst responses to a school shooting that I have seen in my two-decade police career. Readers, are you doing anything to ensure that your cops in schools don't act the exact same way? It is only intense pressure from concerned citizens, constituents, and voters that will force government entities to improve their response plans and training. Anyone wanting the full details about the incident should check out the 400-page final report linked here. And that opens to a PDF there that you can uh, you can check out. All right, so when I talk about schools, I guess I can only talk from my experience. And I can tell you that my school district has put a lot of emphasis on security. Um, you know, here in Texas, where we're at, we had the Santa Fe shooting uh, not too long ago, a couple, of, I guess it's two years ago now. And that was really close to home. I mean, that hit home uh, for a lot of people because it's just down the freeway, you know, about 40, 45 minutes. And uh, I have a pastor friend who lives in that area and he was right in there uh, with, with everyone. And so, uh, man, with the parents and the grieving parents, and he just, he just told me stories. It was heartbreaking and just gut wrenching to, to be in that situation. Right. And to, to know that there's parents who are waiting for their kids and all the, all the kids have been picked up. And so the only, the only answer is your kid is hurt and you don't know if they are, you know, that they've been taken to a hospital with all the confusion or if they're, you know, if they're lying on the floor uh, in, in the school, you know. And so just it was just a terrible situation. But um, I know that my school district has done a lot and, and tried to, you know, we, we do we do our safety checks and all those types of things on a regular basis. Uh, we had some serious training, and that's one of the things I wanted to bring up to you. Just as uh, as I was preparing for this, I thought about it. There was a, so right after Columbine, there was a shooting in Platte Canyon High School, and this was uh, September 2006. And uh, so uh, I guess it was the next school year because. The incident that happened in Santa Fe, Texas, uh, that would happen towards the end of the, the school year. And so um, that next school year, we started implementing a whole bunch of other things in the school district. But uh, we had someone come out for a big one-day staff development for with all the administrators. I mean, they kind of they took a, a day, and it was so important that they said, hey, we're going to do this. And at first, I didn't know what to expect because on the screen— it had, you know, I love you guys, and it had, you know, the Twitter handle was I love you guys, and I'm like, what in the heck is that, right? And so anyway, the staff development day basically was two gentlemen that were talking about what went down in Platte Canyon High School uh, on that day, and so they go into great detail, and so the first guy that gets up is a gentleman, his name is... Um, I want to, uh, I forgot his name already, is John Michael, uh, John Michael Keys, right? And so he's there and he's talking about, he's talking about all the civilian aspect of it. And so then he goes for about 10, 15 minutes and then another guy gets up and he is a, he is a police, um, a captain or I, I can't you see, I, it's, it seems like it's been so long ago and I'm on the website and I can't seem to, uh, I can't seem to find his uh his credentials his, his information his specific information anymore but anyway so he's talking about it from the police side of it and how 
they train so hard to do everything right, but even sometimes there's there are little stupid things just because of communication, just because someone is not uh, someone gets involved that is not that has not trained with them right. Uh, you know they had like SWAT training and all this kind of stuff, but then you have the local police not wanting to give up control. And I mean, you have all these things that are, that are going in and until finally someone says, no, no, Hey, we have control. And, uh, you know, and a lot of the times it's either like the, the mayor or the government governor, or someone has, has said, Hey, these people have the ball, right? These people have command and control of this situation. And so, uh, anyway, so this is going on, right? All, all day long, back and forth and back and forth. And, and what you finally realize is that the gentleman who is talking from the civilian standpoint, he is the father of the little girl who died, right? The high school student who died. And so these police officers did such a, a, they did such a good job that they saved a lot of lives, but they did lose this one, right? And so it was just a, a really tough you know, when you realize what had happened. And so where the I love you guys comes in is uh, the little girl was able to uh, was able to send and her name is Emily sent a text to her parents, you know, that uh, that and that was the last text that she ever said uh, sent to them. I love you guys. And uh, so, you know, that that's where all of that comes so that is linked. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. If you want to go and read a little bit about that story, it's a, it's a pretty powerful one, but it's uh, iloveyouguys.org. And anyway, so I'm saying all that because in this situation, a lot of things were done right. I mean, they did a lot of things right. This uh, The gunman who got into the school, uh, he was actually, he they believe that he was setting it up. He was looking for specific girls, and he wanted to take them captive to sexually assault them. And so he had this whole thing kind of set up. But when they realized, you know, what when things went down, I mean, he was stopped because people were active in, you know, getting the word out and doing what they needed to do. And so he wasn't able to get them out. And so there's just, there's a lot that goes into that story. But anyway, I'm, I'm saying that because there are a lot of school districts, there are, are a lot of schools that are trying, you know, when we talk about all the things that they're responsible for doing, you know, it's just, it's a lot. And I know, again, I get emails all the time, Todd, you know, you you public education, blah, 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 blah. Guys, there's people out there that don't have any choice. There's, there's people out there, there's parents that you're listening to this and you don't have a choice to homeschool. You have to work. You, you can't, you can't homeschool or you can't send to a private school. Um, you know, to be honest with you, sometimes the, the, we had private school kids that would come to, to my campus because the private school could not meet the needs of, of their student, right? Um, and so they had some disability or whatever, and so they would come to, to our school because, you know, we had a history of helping helping students with, you know, whatever, the disabilities and, and stuff like that, that their child, like, like their child and, and what they had. I mean, I feel like I'm kind of getting all over, you know, to the weeds or whatever. And just to say that there's a lot of things always going on. Should we put maybe a little bit more emphasis in in security and protection? Yeah. And in today's age, day and age, yeah. I think there are school districts that are doing a good job of that, right? Um, But 
you still, I mean, could could anyone do more? Yeah. And so it goes back. I do agree with Greg when he says you need to train your kids in how to handle the situation and what they should do. And that's what I did with my kids. You know, I'm like, hey, if this goes down, this is, you know, boom, boom, boom. This is what you're going to do. Right. And so you don't need to wait for your teacher to tell you or to give you permission or to wait for someone to come over the radio or whatever or the, you know, the intercom. You just you just leave and you run. Right. So many people when um, going to like the Sandy Hook. You know, a lot of the times when there was active shooters, it was always in high schools. Sandy Hook happened in an elementary school. But there are accounts of kids running past the shooter. And, of course, he, you know, he's, he's not trained to be able to hit a moving target. And a lot of people are going to be like that. So, you know, if you're moving, you're running, you, you know, the, you need to do that in that type of situation. You want to tell your kids or whoever it is that you just need to move and get moving and don't stop and run. And, and it's very rare for someone to be able to hit someone or hit a moving target. Right. So these are conversations that you need to have. Maybe you need to let them know, hey, when you leave, this is where you need to go or this is where I will meet you or head home if they live very close to uh, to the high school or, or middle school or elementary or whatever, you know, those types of things. And, um, you know, so there needs to be some kinds of ideas. The other thing that he said is putting pressure on school districts and on campuses and stuff like that. And as as uh, parents, you have that right to do that. You have that right. Like, hey, how are you taking care of my child? What are some safety precautions? They might not tell you everything because they don't want, you know, all the specifics out there, but they should be able to tell you, hey, we have done this, we have implemented this, this is the way that we would react, blah, 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 and they should be able to do all those types of things. You know, you might want to ask them, hey, what kind of resources do you have out there as far as uh, security monitors, right? Here, they were using coaches, and so the next follow-up question is like, whoever you're using for security or monitoring, what kind of training have they had? You know, are you have you just handed them uh, a handheld, uh, you know, radio and said, hey, here you go, go monitor, go open up gates and close gates like that one uh, did right there. You know, do they have the ability to call into administration and say, hey, you need to call 911. This person is, you know, is here. I know like for for my district, we have on our radios. I don't even have I did I wouldn't even had to have let my principal know I could have turned the channel and been in direct contact with the police uh, police force and dispatch and so that would have just cut out that middleman I could have just changed the channel and and called right away you know there was times where <laughs> there was times where I was uh, you know on the floor or whatever or maybe you know whatever my channel uh, was turned. And so uh, I'm, I'm thinking I'm calling up to the main office and uh, I got back from, you know, the, uh, the dispatch like, hey, you're, you know, you're talking to dispatch now, you know, you need to change your channel and keep this channel clear. I'm like, yeah, yes, sir. You know, so you're changing that. Uh, so that would happen. But, you know, you might want to ask that question. Hey, does your do your walkies, do you, you know, do you all have that ability to connect straight to the police force? To be able to, you know, call them for help. There's so there's so many things out there that you can do. And again, as a parent, 
there is, you know, there's things that you can you can ask, and um, a good school district, a good principal would want to be able to build that relationship with you and to let you know that your child is safe. And and I'll tell you this, if they're not, if you run into uh, you run into a brick wall and you have people that are not wanting to talk to you about security and they're not letting you know how they're keeping your child safe, then that's where you that's when you raise hell. That's when you that's when you you start making some noise is that it becomes so uncomfortable for that school district that they start to address it. Right. And so whatever you need to do, and, and it's amazing when you get parents involved and you get them coming together and, uh, you know, causing a ruckus, what a school district will start to do. You know, our kids' safety is that important to, to get that done. So you know, there's always a way to, to get better. And, you know, we can, we can, there's things that, that can be done to make schools safer. So uh, guys, I'm going to link to iloveyouguys.org to kind of make it easy for you if you want to go check it out. Um, like I said, it's a great story. I wish there was a video where um, here on this website. I don't see it where you could watch that whole presentation. But I mean, like I said, it was a whole day presentation. But um, man, it was just it was really good. And just listening to the police officer, uh, he was the the I guess he was the the person in charge of the SWAT team. Uh, he was, it was just, you know, a big deal. And you'll, if you're a police officer and you're listening to this, you know, one of the things that he said was it was very, very hard for him to be able to live with the fact that he lost a child like that in the high school. And because of the way the police were treated in Columbine, the police force was told to not have contact with the family because uh, you know, they didn't want any, all that, the negative publicity and all that kind of stuff. And so it was uh, this little girl's father who reached out to him and to build that relationship and that community. And to the point now where they travel all over the, the country, all over the world, really. And they share this, this message, right? And, you know, he's got his, you know, he's got the, the whatever the foundation and the stuff that he works with. And this police officer, Captain, I can't remember exactly his title now, but, uh, you know, he's still on the force, but they go around the country and they share this message of, uh, you know, how, how they can be prepared. And there's also resources on this website that you might want to share with your, with your campus or, or with your school district where they can, they talk about safety and things that they have learned over the years to make campuses and school districts safe. And so there's resources that you can download. But then, uh, like always, I'm going to link to activeresponsetraining.net. I'm going to link to this article if you want to go to it. And then again, like I said, that one article that goes to the Sun Sentinel, it is just like a, a media it's it's an article, but it is just like rich with media. So all different kinds of things that you can click on and listen. And, and uh, I think th they've done a really good job. Uh, they really uh, kicked it up to a whole nother notch with this, you know, report or at least with the article. So it's kind of engaging there. Well, I said that uh, I wasn't I was this was going to be a short one, but it turned out to be a longer one because I uh, just started talking about things that are important to me and uh you know, student safety is important. It's something that we're we're always talking about. And uh, if again, like I said, man, if you're 
I, I know I'm just kind of just going on and on here, but if you are uh, your your child goes to public or even private school, and they uh, you're talking with uh, administrators and and supervisors and stuff, um, you know they they need to be able to have a mind towards security and safety, and so they should be able to talk to you about what is going on and uh, you know how they're making schools safer for your child. And so if not, you know, cause a, cause a ruckus on that one. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 505. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, I'm going to go get myself a warm cup of tea to kind of help my throat out. But I want to leave you with this as we go into the weekend Choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.